Hi, this is Hal Aaron, and welcome to Tales of the Road Warriors. Hey, this is Hal Aaron Cohen, and thanks for joining me in my podcast, Tales of the Road Warriors. Uh, Today we're talking with Chad Watson. Chad is one of the kindest people I have ever met, and he's also a world-class bass player, songwriter, sideman, and sidekick. Some of the artists he's toured with and or records with include John York, Ronnie Millsap, Charlie Rich, Freebo, James Lee Stanley, Chris Hillman, the Burrito Brothers, Janice Ian, Ezra Mohawk, and others. Some of the things uh, Chad and I talk about include the playing at one of my favorite venues, Kulak's Woodshed in North Hollywood, with Freebo, who used to be Bonnie Raitt's bass player, and uh, we talked about the Kulak's Woodshed archives, which uh, have been ro- relocated to their YouTube channel. Uh, and you can still see live performances online from some of the top performers mentioned in our conversation. Chad also talks about his days on the road with Ronnie Millsap, uh, a brush with Kim Fowley, reminisces about some of the old clubs like the Palomino, and a missed opportunity to sit in with Stuff, the original house band from Saturday Night Live, when we were swapping stories about missed opportunities. Then there's a great tale about country star Dale Watson. Sorry, no spoilers. Chad is currently working on a few recording projects and has just wrapped up a project with James Lee Stanley. He continues to perform live with his lovely wife, Pam, Pam Lowe. And if you want to check out some of the uh, URLs, uh, I have links uh, on the website. So go to talesoftheroadwarriors.com. Click on the Chad Watson episode and you'll find links to uh, Chad's website, uh, the Kulak's Woodshed Archives, and James Lee Stanley's website. All right. Well, you know what? Why don't we talk to Chad now? Let's see how this goes. I think and if it's disappointing, uh, then I'll wrestle with them. whatever it takes to get Skype in the computer room. <laughs> I don't think you are capable of disappointing. Holy cow, this will be a good interview. Yeah, have you done many interviews? Yeah, I really have. I really have enjoyed looking back and thinking ahead, you know, with other people that, as Alan Rich used to say, get the joke, you know, because it really is about making as as great a music as you can work in the room that you're in and uh, doing it from the heart well if anyone plays from the heart i know you're one of them as far as bass players go i always have a mental image of your average bass player more more like a um john entwistle who used to just be very stoic and a lot of bass players don't move around a lot you play with your whole body it's like you become the bass, and and uh, oh, thank you, brother. Freebo, who I always thought was an incredible bass player, uses you as his bass player. So that's saying something. Yeah, he's he's he was such a hero to me. I mean, I remember seeing him when I was in high school, and my dad's a bass player. Of course, my dad is my my first musical hero, and uh, he was on with Bonnie Raitt. I mean, you know, Freebo was playing with Bonnie Raitt, and my dad was like the one who. Had, isn't he playing a fretless? What was it? You were here with Freebo uh, at his, um, like a college reunion. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it was it amazing. It was the 50th anniversary, a 50-year class reunion 
for him. He had started college there and then decided to get into music full time and went, went to Germany, you know, and was roommates with Jerry Donahue. And Jerry is the one who said, well, you played tuba. Why don't we get you a bass? Because our band needs a bass player. And uh, that that was the start of the iconic Freebo bass man career. And the rest is history. Yep. So I think I first met you, I'm not sure if it was at Poppy Star in Encino or Kulak's Woodshed later on. Yeah, Kulak's, Paul Kulak's Woodshed. And any of your listeners can check that stuff out. There's a lot of archives. Oh, yeah. You know, in fact, I played there with Delaney when I first started playing with Delaney Bramlett. I said, hey, a, a buddy of mine's got a coffee house with you know a couple of cameras. At that time, it was just one side of the room. I don't know if you remember when Paul first started. I do. And it, Severn, Severn Brown had a night. I think he was still, I think he was already doing the first Friday of each month. So uh, Delaney and uh, a piano player and a drummer and his wife and I just put on a show and that was our our debut at Kulak's Woodshed with the great Delaney Bramlett, who returned, uh, must have been about five years later. Uh, when the room was expanded, and we did a concert with a couple of his buddies from the Shen Dogs that had been with Leon Russell, also. Oh man! Uh, jo- Joey Cooper and Don Preston, uh, Jeffrey Michaels was joining us. Don uh, Fuisi, great singer that did some harmonies on it. We did a couple of albums over at Delaney's Ranch. So that was, you know, when you mentioned Paul Kulax, I, I love promoting that situation because people can just go online and look at that performance. You know, it's not like we're just saying, Hey, did this really happen? Exactly. Hey folks, go online and check it out. I often find myself very hard pressed to describe Kulaks to somebody out here on the East coast because there's really nothing like it. You know, they cast a bucket around, but just at one ground level with a bunch of sofas and folding chairs and, uh, a five-camera shoot. You know they're on trolleys. Yeah, with all uh, all volunteers. Yeah. Back to you. I was looking at your discography, and I noticed you played with Ezra Mohawk. Oh man, that we go back quite a ways, thanks to my friend Dave Lou, who said, "Hey, I've got a friend who's coming out to L.A. and you know she wants to do a coffee house, and maybe she could play the Cowboy Palace with you." I said, "I love Ezra's records." I've, been buying a record since I was in high school. And he said, well, I'll have her come out. And we hit it off. She's a fabulous, free-spirited folk rocker, you know, that Frank Zappa produced her first solo album. Right. And then she went on to perform with Mothers of Invention. Uh, I believe it was the Uncle Meat period. And, uh, yeah, she, she said, hey, I'm going to Japan. Why don't you, why don't you do a duo with me? We're doing a, a tour of all the deadhead nightclubs up and down the island. You know, because they love that hippie rock and roll. So we we did the tour and uh, some great coffee houses, some great restaurants, and just concert rooms. And well, she's as wild and free on the piano as she is on the guitar. She's dangerous. She's just so <laughs> passionate and honest and not afraid to make a left turn and give you a bar of seven and then go right into the chorus. And you follow did you used to go to um, the Bunch of Damn Songwriters? I sure did. I was in that from the beginning with Robert Morgan Fisher and John Andrew Parks. Yeah, that was a 
great time. And, they, and it started in that little Chinese restaurant down close on the edge of Hollywood. Now, I recall yeah. it. Uh, I started going after it was moved to Cafe Luna, and it was there for a very long time. Okay, yeah. When you think of Tales of the Road Warriors, what comes to your mind in your life that, that you would haven't shared with anybody else? Uh, I was making a list here and uh, checking it twice because I knew I was going to get to talk with you. And I love that concept, Road Warriors, because, you know, everyone knows the stars and they've got to have backup musicians. Exactly. And you about have to, you know, you've got to have the attitude literally of a warrior. You know, people think, oh, musicians got it made. They sleep all day. Well, baby, not if you're on the road, because you know, you're going to get up at four or five to jump in a bus to get to the airport to fly all day. And hopefully you don't have to work that night because, you know, you can't guarantee your flights will get in in time for you to land halfway across the continent and then go do a sound check maybe have a bite to eat and then do a show, you know, that hopefully will be a passionate performance with the star that brought you to the party. And that, that poor star is responsible for doing a great show. And then he's got anywhere from five to 10 people behind him. And uh, when I was thinking of the road, it, it sure reminded me of those uh, dates with uh, Ronnie Millsap. Oh man, what a sonic genius and a passionate performer and singer. But his schedule was also relentless. So I'd say when you say road warriors, it's not just performing on the stage, but, you know, after those two hours are over, well... No, you're uh, a warrior 24-7 if you're a warrior. Yeah, yeah. You, you're on call, especially if you're on the road. Don't be late to the bus, man, because you're messing up 12 other people's schedules if you are. Uh, and then when it's time to play... You better play your heart out and be the musician that the star hired you to be when he took you on. Whether it was, you know, for 200 a night or 200 a week, you better play like it's the coolest gig you ever had. Regardless of how much sleep you've had or if the uh, food was cold cuts and crackers or a steak in the steakhouse next door to the theater you're playing. I jotted down some some names here that were just great to me on the road. Uh, when I was 21, I went on the road with the Imperials and they were, you know, uh, just spirit filled gentlemen. They had left Elvis Presley's show to get back into the ministry. And oh. I had been on the road with some really uh, sweet folks, unknown, you know, not very famous, but they would do 10 and 12 shows a week all across the South. So I got to go from, uh, sleeping in a bus with a dozen friends to one of those customizes with the Imperials. And that was kind of our hotel on wheels though. That was all of 75. And then I got back into college, you know, where that was easy compared to the road. Went to Eastman school of music for a, a summer, a year and a summer and just filled my head with theory and arranging. And then went back to Nashville and auditioned. The first gig I got was with Ronnie Millsap. That was all of 79. And uh, he was fabulous on the road. Man, he would spend longer doing a sound check in an auditorium than the show would take. So you really, you really learned a lot. I learned a lot of lessons about, you know, acoustics and uh, EQ from the great Ronnie Millsap. So you got to take those lessons in when they're being taught. And then uh, because of Ronnie, I met Charlie Rich. And I spent the next 15 years 
as Charlie's bass player, and I would do charts for him. Boy, did he spoil me. He was generous, and he'd say he'd send me a cassette tape and say, these are the songs I want to do in the show. Can't, uh, do charts for the guys. I'll give you 100 bucks a chart, you know, which was fantastic in 1980. Because now, when it's talent night, you know, I'll, I'll chart out anybody's song for 20 bucks, <laughs> you know, just so the band can be accurate. But that um, was mighty nice of you. So I see on your list huh? as a bass. I said that was mighty nice of you. Oh, thanks. I see on your list as a bass player. You've also played with Janice Ian, Freddie Fender, uh, the Imperials, of course. And then now you mentioned Kim Fowley. Where did he come in? Oh, Kim Fowley. Yeah, Kim Fowley was a good friend of John York of the Birds, oh. and uh, John is a you talk about a a brotherly type. That dude is the real deal. Uh, John took Chris Hillman's place in the birds for a year and a half uh, during the uh, Easy Rider period. You'll hear John on bass and vocals with uh, Roger McGuinn's birds. And then he went on to tour quite a bit with Gene Clark. But it was through uh, John York uh, that I was asked to do a session for uh, for, uh, Kim. Now, Kim did a whole lot of interesting things in Hollywood. As, as you, I mean, some folks may not know his history, but he was such a guru and one of those pivotal gentlemen that would make sure the birds met the Beatles and that, you know, the electric prunes and the blues magoos and those kind of cutting edge psychedelic groups. Uh, Kim was involved way back then. Now we lost him recently before we did lose him. Uh, Royce Wadine was the drummer and John York had said, you know, if you need a really, Oh, I don't know if he said crazy or interesting or creative or flexible, what, but a uh, <laughs> bass player called Chad. So they had this song called, uh, I believe it was blood, love, God, and chocolate. That sounds like a Kim Fowley kind of I said, yeah, project. I want to play bass on that. And they said, great, come on out here, you know, to Redlands and, uh, we'll put you on the track. So that was my uh, brush with greatness there in Kim's recording career. And thanks to John York, who I'm still playing bass with, by the way. It's been over 30 years that John York and I have been playing his tribute to the Birds, the Beatles, Bob Dylan, uh, a lot of Gene Clark tunes. We do uh, every other month at the Coffee Gallery backstage in Altadena. John York's another one people should check out online if you just Google. Yeah, no, I agree. John York. Yeah, I'm familiar with John. Uh, you know, I used to go to Kulaks all the time. But plus, I'm, I'm a longtime Birds fan, and you know, all, all the all, oh, the that, that whole scene, that whole like California country sound, a lot of Nashville stuff. I see you got little feet I did spend here. a year with uh, the Burrito Brothers. I mean, it wasn't the Flying Burrito Brothers. Uh, they would have been sued if they had put flying in front of it. Right. But it was Gib, Gib Gilbo and John Beelan. Uh They signed with MCA in 1981, and that's when Skip Batten and Sneaky Pete decided to stay in California. So uh, Gib and John came to Nashville and had auditions. And uh, so then, who played? Know, course, pe- did they have a pedal steel player? If Sneaky Pete stayed behind, yeah, yeah. Uh, Larry, a uh, really great cat who had been touring with Farron Young, so he knew the good old crying country steel approach. And Avery Burdett on piano, and uh, Neil Worth on drums. You know, Glenn Worth is first string bass player in Nashville. Well, his little brother was our drummer, and this was all of 1982. 
And John Beeland is still a good friend. Gibbs gone on to heaven, but Beeland is still out there touring. And when he comes through L.A., we always play the Cowboy Palace Saloon together. Hmm. You still playing the Cowboy Palace? Um, see Larry Dean I, around? Uh, yeah. In fact, I played the last two nights over there. I mean, they're great. I've been through about four different owners, but uh, I get to be the ringleader for open mics. And then my wife and I do uh, every other Monday. I'm married to Pam Lowe. Yes. Uh, we've been working together since uh, the late 80s. People should look up uh, Pam Lowe, like, too. She's got some shots. Yeah, L-O-E. Uh, she's the best thing that ever happened to my songs. She does Autumnize and Lonely Road Home and Catfish Monday. There's a few more tunes at uh, Kulak's Woodshed, in fact. Do you but, have any gigs uh, coming up at Kulak's? Because people can always tune in live to hear you when you play there. That's right. You know what? I don't have anything there immediately. Uh, but, boy, check it out and go into the archives. There's Jackson Brown, Chris Hillman, Delaney Bramlett, uh, Pam and Chad. <laughs> but <laughs> Pam and Chad. Just saying, you know, they run the gamut of uh, icons to uh, open mics there. Did you, did you used to play the Palomino a lot? Do you remember? Yeah. Uh I wouldn't say a lot because a lot of guys deserve to say they've played there a lot. But since, uh, in fact, I played the Palomino with Charlie Rich in 1980. That was uh, my first time. And I was just so proud to be there. Uh, a couple of opening acts. And, and then, let's see, we did the Palomino. And then when I moved out here four years later, I came in 1984 and joined the Duwall Riders. Uh, they just celebrated their 40th anniversary. We used to do the Sunday afternoon barbecues. Did you ever eat the Sunday barbecue at the Palomino? I have not. I've played a few times there. I accompanied Aaron McCaffrey there a couple times, and Marty Rifkin oh, yeah. actually invited me to sit in with the jam afterward, and I never thought of myself as quite that good, but I, <laughs> I was like too chicken to accept. I said, oh, maybe another time. <laughs> Oh, no. I wish I, I, wish oh, I had, no. Chad. I, I wish I had done it. I have one story like that where you look back. I mean, it, you know, it wasn't a life or death decision, but it was definitely a, down in New York City. There's a club called Michael's. And, my, you know, I have two favorite instrumental bands. That, uh, well, three counting the, the meters. But I love Booker T and the MGs and a band called Stuff. You know, they were the house band for Saturday Night Live when they started. Oh. Uh, they were the A-string in New York City. They backed Aretha Franklin, Joe Cocker, Paul Simon. It was Cornell Dupree, Eric Gale, Steve Gadd, Richard T. And uh, the bass player, after all these other guys went on their way, kept a band called Stuff 2. I was in New York City uh, to play Carnegie Hall with Janice Ian, and we had... Uh, Monday night off. So I went into the city knowing I could hear stuff. So I've sit and I sat and enjoyed the whole last set and I had met the bass player. I was talking with him and telling him, you know, what heroes the band had been to me and that I was in town to play Carnegie Hall with Janice Ian and would he want to be my guest? And he said, Well yeah, I just might do that. Hey, do you want to play the last tune with the band? We were almost done, but you want to play the last song we're gonna do St. Thomas. I love that tune. And I looked at the band and everyone in the band shaking their head. No, 
No, we want, you know, we want to go home. We've been here all night. So I had that second. There's the bass player, the original bass player for Stuff, asking me if I want to play with Stuff. My heart's in my throat because I was thrilled just to see them live. And then everyone's looking at me like, please, please make us play one more song. Oh, I, I feel you. I feel the, I feel your pain. Stuff, just like you passed on the Palomino writers. Yeah, so I there. just didn't I mean, feel like I was up to snuff. That's the idea of a sad. Just like you didn't feel like you were up to stuff, I, I didn't feel like, uh, that I was up to snuff. Okay, and scene. So, let's see, what else was I going to... Who, who didn't oh, we cover? Oh, the Palomino. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, we did do the Palomino until uh, she closed down. And earlier this year, they had another anniversary concert. I mean, it's kind of fun to have been out here so long that you know, friends are having anniversary, you know, three and four decades. It doesn't seem that long. Does How long have you been back in Philly? I came back in 2005, so it's it's been a while. Okay. But I saw, uh, on YouTube, I saw um, somebody had filmed some of the reunion at the Palomino this last time around. Oh, so neat. I saw a little bit of yeah. it online. And, uh, yeah, they got James me. James Enfield, Rosie Flores, and Jim Lauderdale. Yeah. Is Ronnie Mack still with in the us? band? Yeah. You know, oh, talk about Road Warriors. The guys in that band, Bob Gouther and uh, Marty Rifkin. Marty, you can see on pedal steel and lap steel with Bruce Springsteen, and he did the last several Glenn Campbell albums. And that's where everyone heard Marty Rifkin play was at the Palomino and the Palomino Writers. Right. He's he's just a giant talent with a very humble heart. Yeah, super guy and a super player. Do you, do, yeah. you, do you remember Goose Gustafson? Is that his name? Gus Gus Gustafson. How do you say yeah, that? Yeah, I sure do. He, he, I think he went back to his homeland to to play country music. Was oh, really? Gus Gustafson? Yeah, I, I just remember he's famous for doing the yodel on the Yahoo. You know, what is it? Yahoo! <laughs> oh, Wiley. Why, yeah, Wiley Gustafson, that's it, yes. Yeah. That's funny, because there was a Gus, uh, I think he's from Scandinavia, and then Wiley, sure. Okay, now I'm and, thinking of uh, Wiley, Doyle, I'm sorry. Ray Doyle and I are good friends. Ray played guitar for him for years. Yahoo! I think was the <laughs> signature. Lead. Yep. Funny stuff. So, And Dale Watson, you know, Dale came mm-hmm. to town. And, let's see, I, was, I had a seven-night-a-week house gig in Manhattan Beach, and my guitar player, Jeff Ross, said, hey, look, this weekend I've got to go on the road with the Bellamy brothers. I'm going to be gone a long time. And I know it's just a trio and you pay 60 bucks a night, but it's seven nights a week, right? I'm like, yeah. He said, well, I've got a friend coming to town. Nobody knows him, but he's great. He'll know any song you want to do and he'll sing a million tunes. And his name is Watson, Dale Watson. I said, tell him his job starts Sunday night. (laughs) I said it. How bad can he be if you say he knows all my tunes and he knows a million tunes and he's from Texas. And his name is Watson. My dad was from Texas. So here's this guy, Sunday night walks in. You know, I'm I'm like a foot and a half taller than him. And his voice is big as Texas. So we shake hands. And I, of course, right off in the bat, I'm thinking, Jeff Ross, who have you sent me? But Dale Watson opens his mouth to sing. And we all knew we're in the presence of greatness. There you go. You know, he went on to have his own band, and he became a Palomino writer regular, and now he's one of the most successful country western 
entertainers and singers, the world knows. So would you be surprised if you did like one of those DNA tests to find out you were related to him? Well, we don't even have to do that. Our fathers met uh. in about 1987. Uh, my mother and dad came out to California to say hi. In fact, they went to the Palomino, and my folks have you know been my greatest support group my whole life because I grew up playing in their band. Right. And they were always saying, you better have something to fall back on. So I always kidded them and said, oh, don't worry. I'm also going to be an actor. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, our dads met out in uh, Lancaster about 1987. And uh, Dale's daddy says to my father, uh, your boy sure reminds me of a fellow named Merrill Watson. Uh, do you have any Merrill Watsons? And dad said, well, Merrill is Chad's middle name. Yeah, he's huh. named after him. So he said, uh, we're from outside of St. Joseph, Missouri. We have the family farm up there still, a little town called Maitland, Missouri. And uh, he said, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we're related. And my dad says, well, I'm from Fort Worth. And Dale's daddy says, well, we're all, we're all from that area too. <laughs> so Dale, the punchline to this story is that Dale calls me his ugly twin brother. <laughs> Separated at birth. There you go. <laughs> like the movie Twins. But, wait, yeah, yeah. Uh, Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. But <laughs> of course, he, he can sing circles around any of us. Right, Danny so, DeVito got Dale the Watson, voice. If you're listening, love your honky-tonk music, buddy. <laughs> All right, there's a good shout-out for you. Catch catch us up to what you're doing now. and, and... Well, uh, recording has really been my passion in the last couple of years, doing other people's albums, uh, great singer-songwriters, oddly enough that I know because they've come through the Cowboy Palace. Uh, Richard Schumacher, I'd love to send, why don't I send you a care package of singers that, you know, if people like Dale Watson and Charlie Rich and Johnny Cash, they would dig Richard Schumacher and Don Scribner, guys that I'm producing. They have one album out uh, from the last uh, year and then we're working on their follow-up album so i'd love to send you that stuff a couple other projects i wanted to tell you about were uh, albums with james lee stanley love james lee stanley uh, i hope to oh, get man. to talk to him do you have his uh, all wooden doors i do album? i have a couple of his albums and that's definitely one of them i, I love what oh, he did boy. with that i mean how many times do you know rednecks from missouri get to record with John Densmore and Robbie Krieger, and also on that album, you know, of the Doors. All in case some, you know, some youngsters are listening. Those guys were half the Doors. All, and, all uh, Wood and Stones uh, was great too. Did you have anything to do with that project? Yes, yes. Uh, let's see. I played on All Wood and Stones two. I did the second one, and then I did the Doors. And just last month, we recorded uh, the tracks for the new one, All Lead. And doors. Oh, I mean, oh, wow! All, all wood and lead. All wood and lead. Wood I love the lead. whole concept of, of taking these these electric and psychedelic bands and doing what he did with it acoustically. It's just brilliant. Yep, brilliant move. And the harmonies. Kind of like his and, own records. You know, his own records. He uh, he likes to experiment, and you know, he'll combine uh, jazz chords with a folk feel, or a you know. A, just a great long uh, Latin groove. In fact, you won't believe what he did to a couple of tunes like Whole Lot of Love. 
I mean, it turned into a bossa nova, oh. like if Joe Beam was covering <laughs> Jimmy Page. That's brilliant. He's quite the wordsmith, too. His originals are fantastic. He so is. He so is. James Lee Stanley, folks. Check him out. All right. I'll be glad we taught his name came up in this podcast. But uh, you always, you know, you always pick great projects and, and your your life has allowed you to cross paths and, and be a part of so many great things. Yeah, it's it's funny where if you just swim in the same pool long enough. <laughs> and I guess it, it helps to... Uh, people say, how'd you get all these gigs? And I said, well, I'm just outliving the competition. <laughs> you know, take care of yourself. Uh, you know, do a good job when you show up. Try to stay out of the singer's way. That took me a long time to learn. But uh, it, it sure is my passion, and I've been so blessed. Uh, you remind me of something uh, I tell people. You know, I had a bout with cancer a few years ago, and so now I tell people, here's my advice. Never get old and never get sick. But it's, of, course, it's, okay. of course, it's words that yeah, are very hard to That's live what by. Freddie Fender said. when I, <laughs> My first night with Freddie Fender, he said, my musicians always ask me if I have a health plan. Yeah, I got a health plan. Don't get sick. <laughs> He's a smart man, that Freddie Fender. <laughs> he was a, that's one of my all-time favorite road stories, if I could tell this one. Uh, we're sitting at the Burger King in the airport in Phoenix one morning. You know, he had... He was on dialysis, and he had a really strict diet he had to stick to. So, uh, uh, you know, we, we would stop sometimes just to get a candy bar or a sandwich. It had to happen right then. So he and I were sitting at the Burger King at the airport, and he said, and I, I don't do impersonations well, but you just have to imagine this charming, chopped-up accent going, Tonight, I want to do Wichita Lineman. I said, oh, I love that tune. What tune do you do that in? Uh, what what key do you do that in? And he set down his hamburger. <laughs> he held his arm up. He held up his right arm and then grabbed his wrist with his left hand and made a chord and said, I am a lineman for the county. <laughs> and then ran his left hand further up his arm. He said, in that key. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and oddly enough, I thought that looks like a B seven to an E. He goes, yeah, E E. <laughs> so there you go. There's my Very funny Freddie, Freddie Fender. Fender at the Burger King Road story. Freddie Fender that's, and that's, Chad Watson. That was rehearsal. That was what? That was our rehearsal. Right. That's all you needed. So he says, tell the band. Okay. <laughs> <Kiwi. My> pleasure. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, Chad, I actually, I have to get going myself. I have a gig tonight. I forgot when I when I uh, scheduled this. Is it with I, Rick Denzing? No, Are it's you just, playing with Rick Denzing? <laughs> with Rick. Uh, you, you care to talk about Rick for a second? Do you have any Rick Denzing stories? Oh, I would love to. Oh, I just, I just go so far back with that guy that it you know, makes me proud to be his buddy and is a, still a musical comrade after all these years. It's funny but because see, when I, was, I met him and your name came up, I like my mouth dropped. Like, how do you know Chad Watson? Because, <laughs> I mean, you're 3,000 miles well, away, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I was with the Imperials in 1975, we played his college. And he talked to me afterwards and said, I'm thinking about doing some recording. And I said... I, that's my passion. You know, I was 21 when I met Rick. I'm going to be 65 this year. So from 21 to Medicare, and I've still got this, the same couple of buddies that 
that just mean the world to me. And Rick has always impressed me with his material and his the urgency to his storytelling. Yeah, yeah. So you give him a big old hug for me and tell him anytime he wants to meet back up in Nashville or L.A. In fact, I understand he's coming to L.A. late December. Oh, is he? So oh, yeah, we'll yeah, that's right. He's playing. Woodshed. Yeah, he wanted, yeah. Well, well I'll, be great. I'll text him right after we talk and I'll say, okay, when are we playing Kulaks? That's funny. All right, yeah, well, when I, I'll make it a point to see him and uh, relay the message, but you'll probably talk to him before I do. I'll tell him you said hi. Yeah, do that. And uh, okay. I'll, I'll tell him you said hi anyway when I see him. All right, buddy. All right, great talking to you, Chad. And I uh, uh, hope to talk to you. I hope Let's do this again sometime. Uh, the sooner the better. I hope to and, see you uh, out there, actually. Text me some kind of a mailing address, and I'll send you a care package, because I want you to have some, some of the stuff that I've gotten to play on. A lot of these cats aren't famous yet, but they sure deserve to be heard, and it's a real honor to be producing them. You know, it's part of why I started to do this. You know, I lived in L.A. for 28 years. I was born and raised in Philly, and I've been back here now for the last 15 years or so. And I have musician musical friends on both coasts and sometimes i wonder man i wish this guy could meet this guy and i always thought it was maybe yep. i was put here to bring people together this way so like, like i had asked you Cupid. yeah I mean, yep. really but i had asked you when when i pm'd you if you knew who dan may was i can't wait for you to find out who dan may is uh, i'm going to be talking to him uh uh this week too so i uh, look forward to it uh and check well, out tell that, him i'm a I'm a workaholic, and if he needs bass or mandolin or trombone, I'm there. Oh, uh, that would be I. If I make that happen, I, then I've my I've uh, served um, my time on Earth well. <laughs> but okay. uh, uh, he, um, I was going to say, oh, the book. Did, I sent you a link to a, a book that he wrote. Oh yeah, so ch- check that. that out. All it really is is a bunch of his Facebook posts. Okay, and then and then he. Every, all, all the people that follow him on Facebook goes, why, why don't you make, turn this into a book? So he did, but he just writes Man, great little cool. vignettes. Yeah. So go to my Facebook page and find uh, among my friends, Dan May, and just friend him. Because then okay. you'll, then you'll sure get to will. read his posts in real time. They're, they're always very inspiring. Some are, are funny, some are sad. I, I, I got to stop now. <laughs> All right, because okay, this, this okay, is bro. this is your time to shine. So, ladies and gentlemen, I just I've want re- to... I've really enjoyed your stories, brother. Uh, thank you. Believe me, I got a million of them. I, I try not to interject too many. I'll probably, what I'll do is tell a story at the beginning of each one of my podcasts to get it out of the way so I don't interrupt my guests with my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. It was great catching up with you. All right, Chad. I hope to see you again soon. If not out here, maybe I get out there. Sooner the better, brother. Keep All up right. the great work. That was my talk with Chad Watson. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please go to the show notes on the Tales of the Road Warriors website, which is talesoftheroadwarriors.com. You'll find uh, some of the transcript and the links to some of the places we talked about. Chad Watson's website, uh, Kulak's Woodshed, uh, James Lee Stanley, etc. All right, thanks for dropping in, and we'll see you next week. Till then, I'm going for a drive. Yeah.